0: Cryptozoology and all subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult beyond
1: a top secret Texan podcast. Yemen is in the throes of the world's worst humanitarian crisis. The poorest Arab nation was already in dire straits. A civil war that erupted in 2014 has made the situation even more grim. Now, international support to end the conflict is growing. That's because ordinary Yemenis desperately need help, caught in a conflict that has become a proxy war between regional powers Saudi Arabia and Iran. Also increasing pressure is the killing of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi, a hit that U.S. intelligence believes was orchestrated by the Saudis. The killing shined a light on the U.S. role in the war and its support for Saudi Arabia, which is leading a coalition battling Iranian-backed Houthi rebels. The task of bringing the war to a close will be filled with challenges. To understand them, it helps to look at Yemen's tangle of sectarian fault lines, its history of civil war, and the motivations of regional and world powers. Yemen sits at the southern tip of the Arabian Peninsula, overlooking the vital shipping lanes of the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. The nation's history has been marked by colonization and dynastic rule. For decades, it was split between two nations, North and South. During the 1960s, war erupted. Spasms of civil war continued. By 1990, the North took over the South, forming a unified Yemen. Yemen's longtime autocratic ruler, President Ali Abdullah Saleh, once described the challenge of navigating Yemen's complicated tribal politics as dancing on the heads of snakes. Saleh was perhaps the trickiest player of all, manipulating allies and enemies alike. For years he took billions of dollars from the U.S. to fight al-Qaeda, even as he enlisted the militants to fight his own domestic enemies. He was ousted in 2011 after a pro-democracy Arab Spring Uprising. But the democracy that Yemenis had hoped for didn't materialize. The latest civil war began in 2014 when Saleh allied with the Houthis, and together they took over the capital, Sanaa and much of the North and West. President abed Rabbo Mansur Hadi fled to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia formed a coalition of Arab and Gulf states to push back the Houthis, who they believe were backed by Iran. The U.S. and European countries have sold billions of dollars' worth of weapons to the coalition. The Houthis, inspired by Iran's revolution, are fiercely anti-American and anti-Western portraying themselves as defenders of Yemeni's Zaidi Shiite minority. Iran denies supplying the rebels, but the U.S. says it has evidence. Complicating the picture are militants, mainly Al-Qaeda in the Arabia Peninsula, once called the terrorist organization's most dangerous branch. The U.S. has long sought to strike at militant groups in Yemen, and its use of drones has dramatically grown in recent years. After the Khashoggi killing, the U.S. has cut back on its logistical support to the Saudi coalition. The ensuing war has been devastating, with estimates of more than 60,000 people killed, millions driven from their homes, and vast destruction to the infrastructure from coalition bombing. It has also pushed Yemen into near famine, with millions at risk of starving to death. The AP's reporting over the past year uncovered new dimensions to the tragedy. Mothers and fathers are giving up food so they can dedicate what little they do have to keeping their starving children alive coalition member United Arab Emirates has set up a network of secret prisons all around the south where torture is rampant, including sexual abuse, after AP's reporting dozens of prisoners were released. Torture is also rife in the prisons of the Houthi rebels, who have jailed thousands in crackdowns aimed at eliminating any dissent, or just aimed at collecting captives that they can use to trade for ransom or their own captured fighters. As the UN and the international community push for an end to the conflict, it remains to be seen whether a peaceful, unified Yemen is possible. Houthis don't want to return to how it was before the latest war, and the country is more fragmented than ever. Coalition-backed militias that control parts of the South don't necessarily support Hadi. Some in the South want to secede. Militants feel emboldened. Even if the war ends soon, Yemen will struggle with its legacy for years to come.
0: الله أكبر جديد في مرمى العدوان السعودي الامريكي في قارات هي لعنه في استهدفت جبل نقم مخلفه انفجارا مروعا المشهد يذكر بالمجزره الدمويه التي ارتكبها العدوان قبل اسبوعين في
1: ناس Allah Allah La ilaha
0: Weapon uh, being exploded near Damascus. We're doing a uh, confirmation on this. Uh, you're watching the uh, explosion now, and we're checking this against the scale of smaller artillery, 155 and 203 millimeter. Oh, f-
1: Ого, что это такое? Командир!
0: ...that is currently going on... ...that officially started in 2014... ...but I know for a fact... ...because I was involved... ...in the proto-stages of it... ...that it was... ...very active... ...as a conflict zone... in 2011 to 2012 and into 2013 officially declared a war in 2014 which was halfway through Obama's, President Obama's second term to put in perspective how late in the progression of the Hostilities and the escalations of military involvement from a shadow and covert CIA backed war to a clandestine shadow war in the global war on terror, a proxy war involving U.S. Navy attack bombers such as the F 18. As well as the Saudi Arabian Air Force and their myriad of mercenary aircraft. As well as the United Arab Emirates and their mercenary air forces. Declared a war in 2014 due to the invasion of Yemen and the takeover of Yemen proper by the Houthi rebels after years on the defensive of a genocide aimed at their tribal identity and people and culture by the wealthy westerners and ex-colonialists basically the puppets of England and after successful civil wars a tribe was formed of possibly the most hardened men and greatest tribal skirmish fighters AK-47 warriors that has ever existed. What was conceived of as a quick five-year program, a genocide against the Houthi rebels, was quickly found to be a radical underestimation of the military might of this tribe. With a cohesive and strong identity, helped by their Islamic faith And their anti-Western pro-Arab independence identity and history from the 20th century. As well as relationships with the Soviet Union in the Cold War that saw a proliferation of AK-47s, Scud missiles, armored vehicles, bunkers, as well as Soviet-era technologies and a masterful knowledge of the land, its seasons, and terrain. The Houthi rebels, who numbered between 50 million and 75 million strong, in 2012, had already pushed into the capital cities Forcing the United States Marines garrisoned at the embassy to lay down their arms and surrender for peaceful escape and evacuation out of Yemen. America and Yemen are enemies. The Houthi rebels were put on a terrorist watch list or at least the group of state-sponsored terrorist organizations or state sponsors of terrorism by Donald Trump at the very end of the Trump presidency. In fact, the majority of the bombs that were dropped in the Trump presidency were dropped on Yemen as well as the largest loss of American personnel life such as the Navy SEALs who were killed freeing hostages from Yemen quote unquote as their cover story but was probably an assassination attempt or an attempt at acquiring a VIP prisoner for Intelligence, aka Guantanamo Bay and torture. At that point, not even the American special forces, which had run with impunity, ravaging the forces of the Houthis, who were radically under equipped with 19th century era technologies at their disposal with the highest piece of technology typically being that of their motorized vehicles their RPGs and their AK-47s compared to the 21st century fighting forces of the American spec war spectrum from CIA paramilitaries to Millionaire, billionaire backed mercenaries, the best equipment mankind can buy, to Delta Force, Night Stalker, Army Ranger, Navy SEAL, Marine Recon, all of it was thrown at these Hoochie Rebels. As well as the largest, the largest, and most illegal air campaign conducted since Vietnam. In which the Western aircraft, typically Western aircraft, even had the collaborations between Israel and Saudi Arabia to deliver nuclear strikes, tactical nuclear strikes, neutron bombs, which were verified through survivor video, and cluster munitions, which are illegal and considered a war crime on urban civilian. This was all live streamed for the last 10 years live streamed until the removal of such platforms like LiveLeak itself as well as various what they would call raw uncensored news sites are sites which are now considered Islamic extremist sites for simply showing footage from the other side of the battlefield. Just like how in 2022 RT America would be taken away from the American people under the guise of it being a foreign agent, even though it was an American news station. It's because of the complete, unilateral, monolithic control over the news media that the military, industrial, and entertainment complex has on American culture. What you see, say, hear watch are, ex- are exposed to and in any physical way is completely controlled by the propaganda machine to reinforce the matrix that is American superiority American supremacy and American domination we are fully in the days of empire We are fully in the days of being the center of our own universe in the West and thinking that if it doesn't specifically involve ourselves our physical bodies that it is either out of our control completely or that it is an issue for the government We are literally relying on our state to tell us what is right and wrong, and what is real or not, without entirely knowing, that, or remembering, or being aware of the fact that, for the last, the last continuous ten years, that the United States has helped commit the largest war crime. And the worst humanitarian crisis in recorded history since Mao Zedong and his great starvation of nearly 80 million of his own citizens, remorselessly and mercilessly putting pressure on children and women without any attempt at providing humanitarian aid or resolution through peace conference talk or anything in terms of forward momentum even after the Taliban has been granted such amnesties and has been allowed to enter into the discussion of legitimate countries post-war. The Taliban has been forgiven and allowed to assume the authority over Afghanistan by the United States. Regardless if you want to call it a tactical victory by the Taliban... A wartime victory or a political one? The Taliban are at the table and surviving right now, without American bombers, without starvation, taking their children and their lowest castes by the thousands every month. At the Houthi rebels because they dared to achieve victory against their Western New World Order internationalist mafia enemies, specifically Saudi Arabia, in their attempt to completely monopolize the Red Sea, the, the yeah, the Red Sea, as a competitor towards the, uh Persian Gulf in terms of oil shipments and trade and, and traffic and, and, you know, all the amazing wealth that a, that area has from the sovereign and independent nation of Yemen and the fact that Yemen was the poorest of all Middle Eastern nations On paper, Saudi Arabia is guilty of direct aggression by a superior and and stronger force at a war of aggression, utilizing war crimes and attacking civilians, performing illegal embargoes and waging covert wars. As well as using illegal weapons, such as nuclear weapons, such as chemical weapons, such as cluster munitions. Against a massively impoverished, and technologically inferior enemy. Merely for the sake of causing terror, demoralization, and taking human life and not trying to achieve strategic dominance of areas or territories to win the war, but rather wage a war of attrition. Where it once was a lightning war, a shadow war, a proxy war, of seizing territories through puppet leaders, and actively pursuing a genocide against a tribe called the Houthis, who were vastly stronger than they were estimated to be. The Saudi Arabians have taken to revenge bombing. Revenge is illegal. It is the epitome of evil in terms of modernized militaries. It is the antithesis of self Defense it is the antithesis of real politics. It is organized, state sponsored homicide. It is organized crime. And America has been bankrolling it, has been providing the aircraft. Has been providing its own US Navy, its own Air Force, its own Spec Force, Spec Ops assets, its own uh, intelligence forces, its own space forces, its own funding. So, as England, so as most of the European Union, all of the West actually has including Israel so even though Saudi Arabia calls it its war to pacify the civil war of Yemen to pacify the rebels who have performed a coup d'etat against its puppet's leaders it is in fact the western world the hegemony of the New World Order, the globalists against a rather meek and lowly, probably the most lowly on earth outside of Africa population. But the sword of righteousness is given by heaven and heaven alone and for a decade since I was last involved in it directly 2012 the Houthi Yemeni rebels have not only seized majority control over their territories but still batter and bruise the Saudi Arabian invaders every single year they are impressive in their indomitability their courage their strength of will They survived the worst bombing campaigns for a decade straight. They've survived starvation. They survived embargoes of medicine and textiles and goods. They've had to be completely self-sufficient and independent with a few auxiliary allies for motivational and personnel support on the very fringes of the extreme Muslim world. But they have never Chosen to work with the Western backed extremists like ISIS, which is impressive and shows an amazing savvy and political expertise, a legitimacy to their independence struggle. They inspire me because if these people who don't even have closed-toed shoes, who literally fight with AK-47s, the shirts on their backs, their traditional garments, shorts, and sandals, running in rocky, sun-blasted terrain with no cover, Charging and killing Saudi Arabians who have invaded their lands and set up machine gun nests set up ambush sites, logistics hubs military bases in their home territory they don't have night vision goggles they don't have satellite GPS electronic warfare assistance they don't have Air superiority, they don't have a motorized infantry company, they don't have a artillery support they can call in. They don't have leadership from West Point, they don't have Annapolis graduates serving as their officer cadre. They don't have the myriad of alphabet federal agencies like the CIA. Assisting in providing military intelligence for where to strike. These are men, sometimes not even men, children, teenagers, who using the strength that they've had genetically in their tribal lineage for thousands of years that carved out their identity, that carved out their tribe's territory. And a machine gun that's nearly 100 years old in design Courage And killer instinct They were able to beat the mercenaries The organized criminals The thugs They call themselves soldiers For Saudi Arabia and almost every single one of their engagements taking their technology, their weaponry for their own and turning it against their invaders in kind reaching technological levels already at this point to be able to launch drone strikes and retaliation against Saudi Arabian oil refineries being able to use SCUD missiles repaired from the Soviet Union and it is rumored even leading counterintelligence proxy wars internationally against Saudi Arabian oil facilities some deep shit but the Hutu rebels are absolutely capable of running a first world level terrorist subversion infiltration plot based on the educations of ex Soviet Union or current communist or Arabic or Muslim nations intelligence agencies. Educating them on how to infiltrate, for example, major businesses, companies involved in oil refineries or chemical um, extraction, or internationally infiltrating their labor force as specialists or, or administrators and then performing acts of sabotage. Specifically, for example, in Texas. And there have been many oil refinery explosions that have occurred in BP, Exxon, Chevron, etc. Oil refineries along the Gulf Coast of Texas, which are majorly owned by Saudi Arabians. Other OPEC nations as well are the enemy as the United Arab Emirates are allies with the Saudi Arabians. So it's not just limited to tar- targeting or attacking in Yemeni revenge, Saudi Arabian specific companies, but also Britain and America as well. It would also be very apt at attacking America as well. going to be reading the timeline, the mini-crisis timeline from the 1990s to the present. Catch everyone up on a history lesson on what is probably the most important battlefield for aviation warfare in terms of air war, air power, air supremacy and its claim to be able to win a war on its own. As impressive the abilities and seemingly invincible air power with air superiority and air supremacy are as they've demonstrated for the last 10 years in Yemen dropping nuclear fission bombs and cluster munitions from F-15s and B-2s onto brick and mortar tribal cities does not break the spirit of a committed enemy and regardless of how much you bomb them into the stone age there's no going past rock bottom and when you're on rock bottom the only place to go is up timeline of the Yemen crisis from the 1990s to the present Early years, Selah and the Houthis The 1990s, after the reunification of Yemen, Ali Abdullah Selah transitions from President of North Yemen, a post he had held since 1978, to President of the Republic of Yemen. At the same time, the Zaida Shia group Ansar Allah or the Houthis gradually gained power. The group's rise has the tacit support of President Saleh. 1994 Civil War Just years after the reunification of Yemen, the unintegrated armies of the North and the South face off, resulting in a brief civil war that resulted in the defeat of the Southern Army and shored up Yemen's reunification. 2000 Saleh reaches a border demarcation agreement with Saudi Arabia, the Treaty of Jeddah. And seeks to disarm the Houthis, whom he had previously viewed as a useful cudgel against Saudi interference in Yemen. 2004 to 2010, Houthi rebellion. Tensions run high between Saleh's government and the Houthis led by Hussein Badreddin al-Houthi. After Saleh's border deal with Saudi Arabia, al-Houthi eventually leads a rebellion against the Yemeni government in 2004. June-September 2004 Starting in June 2004, Saleh's government begins arresting hundreds of Houthi members and issues a reward for Hussein bedridden al-Houthi's arrest. Fighting continues until al-Houthi is killed in September of 2004. March to June 2005 Fighting between the Houthis, now led by Hussein's brother Abdul Malik al-Houthi, and government forces surges, leaving hundreds dead. Fighting ceases after the sides reach an agreement, resulting in the surrender of the Houthis' top military commanders. 2005 to 2006. Sporadic clashes between the government and the Houthis continue, but in March 2006, Saleh grants amnesty to 600 Houthi fighters. Saleh goes on to win the 2006 election. January to June 2007. Early in 2007, the Houthi rebels and Saleh's government again find themselves at odds. Fighting continues for five months until Abdul Malik al Houthi reaches a ceasefire agreement with Saleh with the help of the nation of Qatar. April of July 2008. The ceasefire had not turned a year old when more fighting breaks out between the government and the rebels. By July, Ali Abdullah Selah declares an end to the fighting in the Houthi-dominated Sadi Gavanite. 2009-2010 Operation Scorched Earth In August 2009, the Yemeni military launches Operation Scorched Earth to crush the Houthi rebellion in Sa'da. At this point, Houthi rebels begin fighting with Sa'da forces in cross-border clashes. Fighting continues until after rounds of offers and counteroffers, Salah's government agrees to cease fire with Abdul Malik al-Houthi and the rebels in February 2010. The Yemeni military simultaneously carries out Operation Blow to the Head, a crackdown on both the rebels and al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. September 2010 Government forces besieged the government of Shabwa in southeast Yemen to root out the ACAP militants. 2011, Arab Spring reaches Yemen. To January 2011, demonstrations calling for the end of Salah's 33-year rule begin. Salah offers some concessions, promising not to seek re-election, but the protests spread. Security forces and Salah supporters launch a crackdown that eventually leaves between 200 and 2,000 people dead. April 2011 Selah's General, People's Congress agrees to Gulf Cooperation Council, the GCC they brokered a deal to hand over power, but the President refuses to sign on. This prompts the influential Hashid Tribal Federation and civil army commanders to back the opposition, after which clashes erupt in Sana'a. <coughs> June 2011 Saleh is seriously injured in a bombing and travels to Saudi Arabia for medical treatment. September 2011, Saleh returns to the presidential palace amid renewed clashes. It is not until November 2011 that he signs a deal that has his deputy, Abdrabah Mansur Hadi, assume power and form a unity government. February 12, Hadi is sworn in for a two-year term as president after an election in which he stood unopposed. Post-Arab Spring Unity Government and the Houthi Takeover January 2014 The National Dialogue Conference concludes after 10 months of deliberations, agreeing to a document on which the new constitution would be based. February 2014 A Presidential Panel approves a political transition plan for Yemen that organizes the country into a federation of six regions. August 2014 Following two weeks of anti-government protests, President Hadi dissolves his cabinet and overturns a controversial rise in fuel prices. September-October 2014 The Houthis take control over most of Yemen's capital, Sana'a. The following month, the rebels seize the Red Sea port city of Hodeidah. January 2015 After being placed under house arrest by the Houthis, Hadi resigns as president. Despite previous attempts to craft a power-sharing agreement between Hadi and the Houthis, the two had continued to clash. The Houthis later rejected draft constitution proposed by Hadi's government. February 2015. The Houthis take control of the Yemeni government, a move swiftly denounced by the United Nations. President Hadi flees the presidential palace in Sana'a and escapes to Aden, where he later rescinds his resignation declaring himself the legitimate president and deems the Houthi takeover a coup. March 2015 uh, The Islamic State claims its first major attacks in Yemen, setting off two suicide bombs at Shia Mosque in Sana'a. The Houthis start an offensive against government forces, advancing towards southern Yemen. President Hadi flees Aden and takes refuge in Saudi Arabia. Shortly thereafter, the Houthis ceased parts of Taiz. The beginning of the Saudi led coalition and Yemeni civil war. March 2015, Operation Decisive Storm. After repeated pleas from Hadi, a Saudi led coalition of Arab states, including the United Arab Emirates, Egypt, Morocco, Jordan, Bahrain, Sudan, and Kuwait, Initiates Operation Decisive Storm in support of the ousted president The coalition launches airstrikes against Houthi targets Deploys small ground forces and imposes a naval blockade The United States announces its intention to aid the coalition's efforts April 2015, Operation Restoring Hope The coalition declares an end to Operation Decisive Storm Saudi Arabia announces it would move on to a phase described as Operation Restoring Hope Despite the announcement, the Saudi-led coalition continues to bomb Houthi positions, and the United States increases its arms sales for the Saudi campaign to Yemen, or Saudi campaign in Yemen, to Saudi Arabia. April 2015. Despite the bombing campaign, the Houthis capture the city of Attaq. After three Saudi officers die in Houthi attack at the Saudi border, Saudi Arabia boosts its border security. The Houthi fighters also condemn a UN Security Council resolution imposing an arms embargo on the group, calling the decision an act of aggression. May 2015 Ali Abdullah Saleh had previously been accused of siding with the Houthi rebels in support of Hadi's ouster. In May Saleh and Yemeni forces loyal to him announced a formal alliance with the Houthis. The Saudis and Houthis agree to a five-day humanitarian ceasefire. U.S. President Barack Obama convenes a GCC meeting at Camp David to resolve the crisis in Yemen, but only two states send their leaders. August 2015. After months of fighting with Sunni tribesmen and ACAP militants, the Houthis take control of the entire Shabwa government. September 2015 President Hadi returns to Aden after Saudi-backed government forces and those loyal to Hadi recapture the port city from Houthi forces April 2016 The United Nations sponsors talks between the Hadi government and the coalition of Houthis and former President Saleh's General People's Congress October 2016 May 2017 Both sides of the conflict allegedly break ceasefires the United Nations and others try to broker peace talks and political resolutions. The Houthis claim responsibility for firing missiles into Saudi Arabia, including at the capital, Riyadh. May to November 2017. Humanitarian agencies and watchdogs decry the Yemen crisis as one of the worst humanitarian agencies in the world. Or worst humanitarian emergencies in the world. There are thousands of civilians dead and wounded, an outbreak of cholera and potential famine that would leave millions on the brink of starvation. November 2017 Saudi Arabia intercepts a missile fire towards airport in Riyadh and blames the Houthis, Iran and Lebanon's Hezbollah for escalating the war. December 2017 after Saleh had reversed course and sided with the Saudi-led coalition, fierce fighting in Sana'a between the Houthis and forces loyal to Saleh leaves the former president dead. The Houthis control much of northern Yemen and face stiff opposition from the Saudi-led coalition. President Hadi, whose loyalists control much of south Yemen, has called for a popular uprising against Houthi rule in the north. Saleh's son, Ahmed Ali Salah, has vowed revenge against the Houthis for his father's assassination. January 2018 In a firefight, the Southern Transitional Council, STC, the United Arab Emirates-backed separatist movement seeking a revival of the formerly independent South Yemen, seizes control of Aden. Yemen's main southern city and government headquarters. By March, 22 million Yemenis require humanitarian aid. February 2018. The United Nations appoints longtime British diplomat Martin Griffiths as special envoy of the Secretary General of Yemen. March May 2018. Fighting escalates along Yemen's western coast and dozens are killed in Saudi airstrikes and security raids. A Saudi-led coalition drone strike kills Salah Ali al-Samad, president of Yemen's Supreme Political Council, making him the most senior Houthi casualty since the coalition began its activities in 2015. International opposition to the coalition's operation grows after an air raid kills more than 20 at a wedding party. In May, UAE forces take over the island of Socotra, a cup occupying the airport and seaport and causing tensions with Yemeni government officials. June to July 2018, Yemeni President Rabbo Mansur Hadi meets with UAE Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nahan and by July the coalition launches an offensive on the port city of Hodiada. August October, August to October 2018. International furor over the Saudi-led coalition's war in Yemen grows after an air raid strikes a school bus killing 40 children. Public opinion of U.S. support for the war effort in the United States plummets as it is reported that the bomb used in the air raid was United States supplied. In October, U.S. President and Washington Post colonists Our U.S. resident and Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi is assassinated by Saudi agents in Istanbul, raising additional questions about U.S. support for Riyadh's war on Yemen. U.N. efforts to mediate between the Yemeni government and the Houthi rebels in Geneva, Switzerland are fruitless. November to December 2018 The U.S. political establishment begins to agitate for withdrawing U.S. support from the Saudi-led coalition in Yemen. Former Obama administration officials, including future Secretary of State Antony Blinken, future UN Ambassador nominee Linda Thomas-Greenfield, and future National Security Advisor to President Joe Biden Jake Sullivan, sign an open letter expressing remorse for their support for the war and urging all sides to end the fighting. In December 2018, the U.S. Senate for the first time votes to invoke the War Powers Resolution to force the U.S. military to end its participation in the Yemen war. Later that month after UN-mediated talks, the Yemeni government and the Houthis signed the Stockholm Agreement that includes prisoner swaps, a mutual redeployment of forces away from the Houthi port, and committees to discuss the contested city of Taiz. The ceasefire is set to take effect on December of 2018. Overall, the Stockholm agreement fails to achieve its goals, and neither side agrees to withdraw from Odida. January to June 2019, fighting continues. Houthis launch a drone attack on Al-Anad Air Base the north of Aden, injuring dozens and killing the head of Yemeni intelligence. By June, the UAE unilaterally scales back its military presence in Yemen while continuing to support the STC, which had seized more power in Aden. Meanwhile, the Houthis step up efforts to attack Saudi territory, including launching missiles at oil installations and airports. Saudi and Yemeni forces capture Abu Assama al-Muhajir, leader of the so-called Islamic State Yemen Province, the ISYP. In Washington, Secretary of Defense James Mattis uh, resigns in December 2018 and takes effect in February 2019 marking an end to the Trump administration's efforts to engage in the Yemen peace process. In April, President Donald Trump vetoes a bipartisan congressional measure that would force the U.S. military to end its role in the Yemen war. July-September 2019 The UAE announces it has completed its troop drawdown in Yemen, but by August, the STC effectively assumes control of the southern governments of Aden, Abayan and Shabwa. By the end of August, UAE forces conduct air raids against Yemen government forces headed to Aden to regain control. In August, the Houthis launch Operation Victory from God against Saudi-led forces and the group continues to escalate its attacks on Saudi oil installations. In September, the Houthis claim to have used drones to bomb oil processing facilities in Abqaq and Kourouz in eastern Saudi Arabia. The attacks result in Saudi Arabia losing about half of its output capacity, and while the Houthis take credit for the aggression, the international community blames Iran because it was thought to have provided the technical expertise needed to carry out such attacks. November 2019, in an effort to end the fighting between ostensible coalition partners in southern Yemen, Saudi Arabia and the UAE broker a power-sharing agreement between their respective partners in the Yemeni government forces and the STC. The Riyadh agreement is signed in early November, but by December, clashes between the two resume once again. The January to February 2020. Fighting between the Saudi-led coalition and the Houthis picks up. Houthi forces carry out missile attacks on military training camps and in Saudi Arabia's southern provinces. They claim to liberate roughly 1,550 square miles of territory from the al-Jaf and Marib governance from Saudi-led forces and claim the coalition's denies. March 2020 Houthi forces capture the strategic city of al-Hazim on the al-Jaf offensive and Saudi forces carry out a retaliatory airstrike on Sana'a. This occurs as the United Nations urges maintaining the ceasefire during the COVID-19 pandemic to prevent its spread in Yemen. The Trump administration announces a freeze on $73 million in humanitarian aid to Yemen, fearing the Houthi rebels would control the assistance. In April, Saudi Arabia initiates a unilateral two-week ceasefire to mitigate the risks of the new coronavirus pandemic. Days later, Yemen records its first known case of COVID-19. Despite the ceasefire, the Houthis and the Saudi-led coalition are accused of carrying out attacks. In the South, the SEC once again demands self-rule, breaking its agreement with the national government. June to November 2020. In June, the Southern Transnational Our Transitional Council deposes the recognized government in Socotra, with government supporters decrying the move as a coup d'état. The following month, the SEC says it has renounced its claim to self-rule and will return to previously agreed upon power-sharing structures. In October, the warring sides in Yemen carrying out the conflict's largest prisoner swap. By November, Saudi Arabia and the Houthis have reportedly initiated back-channel talks with Saudi officials indicating their willingness to sign a ceasefire deal and end the Saudi air and sea blockade in exchange for the creation of a buffer zone between Houthi-controlled territory in Yemen and the kingdom's borders. The Houthis later claimed to have fired a missile at the coastal city of the Saudi-controlled Jeddah. December 2020 the STC and the Hadi government formalize a new power-sharing agreement in Aden. Prime Minister Marine abdul Saeed is reappointed as head of the Hadi government's new cabinet, with seats going also to both the STC and Yemen's Islah party. Just weeks later, as the new cabinet arrives in Aden from Saudi Arabia, an attack on the airport kills at least two dozen people, but no government ministers. The Hadi government, the STC, and much of the international community blame the Houthis for the attack, and Saudi warplanes conduct retaliatory raids on Sana'a. January 2021 The Trump administration uses the December attack to justify designating the Houthis as a foreign terrorist organization, FTO. The Houthis are still able to consolidate control over 70-80% to of the Yemeni population and threaten Marib a stronghold near the northeast control of the control zone. President Biden takes a new path. February 2021 President Joe Biden announces change to U.S. policy toward Yemen, including revoking the Houthi FTO designation, declaring an end to the U.S. support for the Saudi-led coalition's offensive operations in the conflict, appointing Timothy Linderkind as a special envoy for Yemen. Supporting the UN-led peace process and providing assurances to Saudi Arabia regarding the defense of its territory. Houthi rebels launch an offensive in Marib City, the final stronghold of the government forces in the north and near some of the northern Yemen's richest oil fields. Marib hosts nearly 1 million inter- eternally displaced persons, IDPs, and intense clashes are expected to displace thousands more. March 2021 Conflict between the Hadi government and the Houthis escalates in the Marib government. The fighting coincides with ongoing Houthi missiles and drone strikes against Saudi oil facilities, airports, and air bases on the border. Saudi Arabia retaliates with airstrikes, particularly in Sana'a. The U.S. condemns Houthi actions. Riyadh proposes a ceasefire, which includes reopening of Hodeidah seaport and Sana'a airport. Houthis reject the proposal on the grounds that a full lifting of the ongoing blockade is a prerequisite for any such agreement. April to May 2021 Strikes and counter-strikes continue and escalate. The United Nations Security Council and Iran's Foreign Minister Mohammad Jaffad Zarif voiced their support for a ceasefire between the various Yemeni actors. In a discussion with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, the U.S.'s Linder King pushes for the Saudi-led coalition to loosen the blockade on Hodera and Sana'a. The Houthis refuse to meet with then-United Nations Special Envoy for Yemen Martin Griffiths to discuss the escalation of the conflict. August 2001, or August 2021, amid Continued air attacks from Houthi rebels The Biden administration removes its most advanced missile defense systems from Saudi Arabia The withdrawal follows a Houthi attack that wounded 8 civilians on Saudi soil And damaged a commercial airliner The UN outgoing special envoy for Yemen announces nearly 20 million people Or two-thirds of the country's population are dependent on humanitarian aid for daily needs. Five million are one step away from succumbing to famine and the diseases that go with it, they warn. As Houthis continue to gain ground against Hadi government forces in Marib, Oman attempts to broker a peace deal between Saudi Arabia and the Houthis. Houthi negotiators refuse to meet with the newly appointed UN Special Envoy for Yemen, Hans Grunberg. Before the Saudi led coalition commits to the full lifting of the blockade on Hodeida and Sana'a. September 2021. After a lull in hostilities, Houthi rebels renew their offensive in the Marib Governate. The rebels capture Rahabah, a key district in the south of Marib. Government forces had recaptured Rahab in the Houthi control in July 2021. The Houthis continue to make progress in the battle for Marib City. Government security forces forcefully respond to widespread protests across southern Yemen, killing three protesters. Yemeni people take to the streets over the collapse of Yemen's currency and inaccessibility of basic daily necessities. September 18th, Houthis execute nine people on charges of involvement in the Saudi-led coalition airstrike in April 2018. The strike killed Salah al Salamad, the Houthi-aligned de facto president of Yemen. In September, 2000, or September 27, a U.S. official delegation, including National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, Timothy Linder King, and the NSC's Coordinator for the Middle East and North Africa, Brett McGurk, meet with Mohammed bin Salman and Deputy Defense Minister Khalid bin Salman to push for a diplomatic solution for the conflict. October 2021. The United Nations Human Rights Council votes against the renewing the mandate for the group of eminent international and regional experts on Yemen, the GEE, the only independent body monitoring all parties of the conflict. Saudi Arabia is accused of attempting to shut down the investigation, which in 2018 reported possible war crimes committed by all parties involved. Clashes continue around MIRA between Hadi government and the Houthis. On October 17th, Houthis gained control of the Usulain, Bahan, and Ayan districts of Shabwa government and the al abada and Harib districts of Marib government. November 2021 Houthis seized the former premises of the U.S. Embassy in Sana'a, detaining local employees. The United States calls for their immediate release and demands that the Houthis vacate the premises. Houthi spokesperson announces the capture of Marib's Al Juba and Jabal Ma'rad districts after last month taking Al Abda and Harib government forces to prepare to defend their last remaining northern stronghold, Marib City. Some two million civilians are now trapped in the Marib government. Coalition aligned forces abandoned their position in the port city Hodida, allowing rebels to retake the city. A 2008 ceasefire agreement prohibited fighting between the two sides, and the government first has stated they are withdrawing troops from Hodeidah to send them to reinforce the front lines. December 2021. Due to failing or falling international funding, the World Food Program WFP cuts food to Yemen. In November 2021, WFP targeted $11.1 million for food assistance. The cost of food dramatically increases as the humanitarian situation deteriorates. January-February 2022 Houthi rebels launch a series of unprecedented attacks against the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia, including air attacks across the border and seizing a UAE vessel in the Red Sea. The Saudi-led coalition responds with a bombing campaign in Sana'a, an attack on the northern prison, and a strike on a telecoms facility in Hodiera, resulting in a four-day internet blackout across the country. UAE-backed forces regain control of areas near Marib. On February 23, the U.S. Treasury Department announces new sanctions against individuals involving in funding networks for the Houthis. The United Security Council renews a one year arms embargo on Yemen and continues to travel ban and asset freeze on actors who threaten the peace. The Council condemns Houthi attacks on Saudi Arabia and the UAE that struck civilians and the civilian infrastructure. Four countries abstain. Mexico, Ireland, Norway, and Russia. March 2022 on March 6, the Houthis reached an agreement with the United Nations to address the issue of an abandoned oil tanker in the Red Sea, the FSO Safer, that posed a threat of a massive oil spill. The World Food Program declares that the humanitarian situation in Yemen is worsening because of the Russian war on Ukraine. Houthis continue attacks against the Saudi oil facilities while the coalition continues its strikes against Sana'a and Hodeera. gcc sponsored talks in Riyadh begin between the various parties to the Yemen conflict. The Houthis decline to participate, stating that they should be held in a neutral country. Saudi Arabia announces on the same day the cessation of all military operations in Yemen as of March 30th. April 2022 The UN brokered a two-month truce between the warring parties that is to begin with the holy month of Ramadan. The agreement is a notable step towards peace as the last nationwide coordinated cessation of hostilities was during the peace talks of 2016. As peace efforts gain traction with a two-month ceasefire, exiled President Abdraba Mansur Hadi transfers power to a new presidential leadership council, led by Rashad al-Alamini. Members of the Council were selected at GCC sponsored talks in Riyadh and include individuals associated with the Successionist Southern Transitional Council as well as those formerly part of the government under Hadi. Hadi fires Vice President Ali Masan al-Amar who has long been resented by the Houthis and delegates his power to the Presidential Council. After the transfer of power is announced, Saudi Arabia and the UAE say that it will provide $3 billion to support. Yemen's decimated economy. Despite the two month truce, Houthi forces resume attacks on the front lines of the battle for Marib, which have been static since February when UAE backed forces pushed Houthis out of the center of the Harib district. Houthi rebels sign an action plan to prevent the recruitment and use of children in armed conflicts. A senior Houthi military official had said in 2018 that the group inducted 18,000 child soldiers into its army, some of whom were as young as 10 years old. Thank you all very much for listening to this broadcast and presentation in hopes of bringing back awareness back to the forefront of the mainstream discussion on the Yemeni civil war the Yemen crisis the Red Sea War the Arabian Peninsula War it's got many names and to see it not merely as a black and white issue of rebels versus the modern progressive, but see it as the beginning, the test run, and ultimately the game plan for both sides during the great seizure of the world authority by the NWO the minority with higher technology and control of the means of production with their international bodies of politicians and propagandists versus independent small Primitive but passionate, powerful, proud, partisan fighters of tribal identities and locations and regions. And though the NWO is strong and manipulative and cunning and mighty in their weaponry, the human factor. Decides who carries the day in the long marathon race of survival of the fittest that we call war. And this is a great, great first introduction into the Yemeni crisis that I want to cover and analyze further. The next video or next broadcast I'll do. This is a podcast this is an audio broadcast is on the air power of both sides both forces the aircraft the drones the missiles the campaigns that were waged the allies the nations that participated the secrets the war crimes the humanitarian crisis the war the the the, the amount of Power and evil and advanced technology and just all of it it's all of it it's the air war Saudi Arabian air war that will be the next installment of the Yemeni crisis on the beyond top secret Texan you've been listening to me the beyond top secret Texan broadcasting you from the third coast to coast with the most the Gulf Coast of Texas Check out my social media while you can because it is getting censored every day. Shadow banned to hell and back. That's linktree slash beyond top secret Texan. Linktree slash beyond top secret Texan, All one word lowercase. You know how to use the internet. Linktree slash beyond top Texan. Flagship social media is Instagram, but I do a little bit of everything else you can check out this podcast on its own website or through the many different platforms that bring it to you, check out the merch store, check out if you would like just to donate or become a honorary member or subscriber on Anchor uh, all my episodes are free and available to the public free and available to the public uh, snatch them up, listen to them while you can and I would absolutely appreciate you guys, listening to the older episodes in the archives, it really makes me proud when you guys ask me questions and bring up stuff from like years ago and everything but uh definitely catch up with the new stuff up to minute up to the second notifications when i upload and update all my shit you guys can keep your finger on the pulse uh basically by checking out link tree slash beyond top secret texan thank you all very much for keeping on this incredible crazy ride this journey you guys are the greatest out there in dreamland namaste and shalom iron sharpens iron a friend sharpens a friend Peace out.